many of you are ready to get into the Beatitudes tonight? Be happy attitudes, the attitudes that should be attitudes, right? Amen. So we're going to do that. I'm going to finish them. And then when I finish the Beatitudes, next time we're, we're going to be after the hour of power, we're going to be going into the meat of the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount, folks, is, is not for lightweights. I mean, how do you explain, turn the other cheek? How do you explain if your eye offends you, pluck it out? How do you explain all the things? Jesus, listen, he taught red meat in the Sermon on the Mount. And so we're going to be getting into it and uh, going through it. And uh, my personal opinion is uh, the most powerful thing ever spoken in one sitting was the Sermon on the Mount. Easy period. And there's not hardly anything in your life or mine it doesn't touch and help us with and explain. Seriously, I can't think of any issue it doesn't cover. Money, bitterness, judging. You know, the world's favorite verse is Matthew 7, 1, judge not to be not judged. That's their favorite, right? They all know that one. And I had it thrown at me today. I did. Me, little old me, thrown at me. You're not supposed to judge. I didn't judge. I had an opinion. A sanctified opinion is not judging. Amen. All right. So let's, uh, let's pray. Father, bless your word tonight. Bless it to our hearts, and we just thank you for it. We thank you for being with us now and opening our eyes to what you gave us in Jesus' name in this amazing sermon. Amen. All right. Tonight, blessed are the peacemakers and the persecuted. Wow. Good stuff here. I want us to read again the Sermon on the Mount up here, uh, the, the Beatitudes. If we can just read them together, because it's not very long, but, but tonight, one more time, let's read them. Are you ready? I want everybody reading with me. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, they shall be comforted, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Wow. Okay? Now we're tonight on the last two, peacemakers and persecuted. So let me just talk to you about these two things. How many of you have ever been persecuted? I mean, for the faith, not for making some dumb mistake, but for the faith. Right? You got Because you took a stand for Jesus. Let me see your hands. All right? Okay. And it's no fun, is it? All right? So... Jesus is addressing it because he knows that anybody really walking with him is going to get it. 
They're going to experience persecution. Now, the Beatitudes have tracked. Let me just quickly recap. The Beatitudes have tracked the spiritual salvation and growth of all of us. And here, here's the pattern I see. I can't get away from it. It seems to me an intentional pattern. Jesus began with the poor in spirit. Those who realize that they are poverty-stricken spiritually. They, they, they are poor. They don't have it all going on, and they're not all that in a bag of chips, right? But they're poor, and they know it, okay? Then he went to, bless are those that mourn. To me, that signifies mourning over your poverty and your sin. For they will be comforted. How? By turning to Christ and receiving forgiveness. Then it goes from there. It's a, it's a progression. We're watching spiritual growth. To developing meekness is the next thing. Blessed are the meek. So now we're beginning to see fruits in the, of the Spirit in the life of the one who at first was poor in spirit and mourning over their sin and their poverty. Then we're, they're, going, they're moving forward to hungering and thirsting for righteousness. To me, one of the great uh, indicators of a healthy soul is hunger and thirst for the things of God. That's one of the great indicators of somebody who's where they ought to be with God. Because to me, to walk with him closely is to, to develop an inner hunger and thirsting for what only he can give. For the word, for his love, for a life that pleases him, uh, to be in his presence, to worship him, you name it. It's hungering and thirsting inside, panting for the things of God. Amen. Then, blessed are the merciful. So now there's more spiritual growth. They're merciful. They're showing mercy. And then it goes from there to purity of heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. They will see God. As we saw last time, they will see God moving in their life all the time. That's what it means. Because you can't see God and live, the Bible says. If you see God, if you come tell me you saw God, and you're here telling me, I'm going to tell you you didn't see God. Because if you saw God, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be telling me. So, blessed are the pure in heart. They will see God, what? Moving in their life. Moving all around them. They see God, uh, the, the activity of God all the time. Everywhere they look. When I look at nature, I see the handiwork of God. I see God moving. And I see God moving in my life. Amen? Now he moves on to a peacemaker. Now, that refers, I think, first of all, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, a peacemaker. Now, I think that's multifold. Let me tell you what I think a peacemaker is. It is, first of all, somebody with a peaceable temper. Their, their character is peaceful. And I believe the more we grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and grow into his likeness, the more our character will be of a peaceful temperament. Amen? Now, if you don't line up with some of these things, don't come under condemnation. Keep walking with Jesus, and you will. All right? But so here's somebody with a peaceable temperament. They don't like fighting. 
They don't like um, strife. They don't like division. They love peace. They walk into a room and it's peaceful. Some people walk into a room and it's a storm. But a peacemaker walks in and it, there's peace. They, they, they're peacemakers. Peace exporters. So their temper. And so because it's their temper, they seek to promote peace. They want to see peace. They don't want to see trouble. Uh, It's those who are so far from sowing the seeds of discord between the brethren that they avoid contention themselves. And they labor to extinguish it everywhere they go. That's the peacemaker. If they walk into a situation that is troubled or divisive or, uh, you know, discord, they don't want to add to it. The peacemaker wants to bring peace to it, heal it. They don't want trouble. They do all they can to heal strife because they are makers of peace. They are not makers of trouble. You know, we talk uh, about troublemakers. Well, how about peacemakers? Because troublemakers are a dime a dozen out there. People who are troubled everywhere they go. But not the peacemaker. He's the opposite. The troublemaker isn't happy unless they cause some trouble to be made. But the peacemaker is not happy unless there's peace. They're very different. And they get this from heaven, from Jesus. They reconcile divisions. Uh, they, they restore peace wherever it's been broken. Because they're makers of peace, sowers of peace, champions of peace. They preserve peace. If they see trouble breaking out, the peacemaker swoops in and says, wait a minute, let's talk about this. Let's see if we can come to an understanding, and let's see if we can have peace. I don't want trouble. I don't want to fight. I don't want to argue. I don't want to be divided. To use an old saying, can't we all just get along from a Christian perspective, right? Listen to the Apostle Paul, Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, he's saying it's not always possible. But if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, again, there's an if there. Because some people are not going to let you make peace. They're not going to let you. They will not let you make peace. They don't want peace. So they'll resent you for wanting to make peace. But as much as it is possible, as much as it lies within you, if you can pull it off, live at peace with everyone. Peace like a river. Right? Ephesians 4.3. He says this to every Christian, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Unity follows peace like rain follows clouds. So make every effort to preserve the unity of a house by the bond of peace, by being a peacemaker. 
Romans 14, 19. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding or edifying, edification. So Christians are told, pursue peace. Chase after it. Make, make peace your project, your goal, your passion. Go for peace. Hebrews 12, 14 says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So strive for peace, pursue peace, make every effort to keep peace, uh, and live at peace with everyone. Do you get the idea that the New Testament teaches you and me to be peaceful people, peacemakers, right? So instead of troublemakers, peacemakers, and God's a peacemaker. Jesus said, if you're a peacemaker, then you are going to be called a child of the living God. You will be called children of God. Now, why is that? Because if you're a peacemaker, you're a chip off the old block. You're, you're acting like God. God is a peacemaker. Amen? When, when you come at odds with somebody, what does he do? He moves on you and I to do what? Forgive and make peace. Every time. Sometimes you want to say, leave me alone. I want to be mad. But God will say, no, you got to forgive because I'm all about peace. I want peace with the brethren. I want peace in your home. I want peace in your marriage. I want peace in the church. I want peace. I'm about peace. That's me. That's my nature. And there is an incredible reward for peace. Listen to this. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Okay? It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It's like the dew of Hermon where it's as if it were falling on Mount Zion, this beautiful picture of a mountain with dew falling on the, the foliage, the greenery, and watering it, keeping it healthy. That's the picture. Now watch this. For there, what's the there where there is unity? And what brings unity? Peace. Now look what he says. There the Lord commands his blessing. Even life forevermore. So when God sees unity, you don't even have to pray for God's blessing. God says, I'm just going to command it. I'm going to send it your way. You're going to be blessed if you walk in unity. Because I honor Unity and peace. Wow, what a, what a promise. So, so where peace reigns between brethren, God commands his blessing. You see God up there in heaven? I command a blessing on turning point. Jesus says that we're to be peacemakers because that's what God is. Blessed are the peacemakers, they'll be called sons of God. In other words, to be a peacemaker is to be like the Heavenly Father who makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Amen? He's good to people every day who curse and blaspheme his name in hopes that the goodness of God will lead them to repentance. Amen. Listen to what it says God did for you and me through Jesus. 
Colossians 1.20, through him, that is God, through him, God reconciled everything to himself, or through Jesus. Through him, being Jesus, God reconciled everything to himself. Now look what it says next. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. He made peace. So that when you come to to Christ, the war is over. We were at war with God before we knew Jesus. Now no more. There's peace. Because God, through Jesus, made peace with everyone that calls on Christ. So the war this way is done, and supposedly, hopefully, the war this way is done. No more division, discord, as much as we can do it. Now, there are some who who go the opposite direction. Uh, In any home or church or business, there are people who go the opposite direction. And they are not peacemakers, but they are discord sowers. They they sow discord. For whatever reason they have, and I'm sure there are many different ones, but they sow discord. And the Bible's got a few names for them. And I just got to go over this because this is the opposite of the peacemaker. And so... Here's just just some of the ones the Bible points out very, very poignantly and uh, straightforward. First, there's the tailbearer. Everybody say tailbearer. It doesn't even sound pretty, does it? The tailbearer. What is a tailbearer? A bearer of tails. Okay? Listen to Proverbs 18.8. The words of a tailbearer are like wounds. Now, here's the opposite of the peacemaker. Okay? The tailbearer, when they carry a tail, and, and that it's usually half truth or no truth, partial truth, they haven't bothered to find out the whole truth, but they they are a bearer of tails. Now it says, when you listen to a tailbearer, their words end up going like wounds down into your soul. This is very graphic. Okay, y'all are so quiet. I'm not talking about you. You're here in church. So everybody smile at me. Hallelujah. So what we call gossip, the King James Version of the Bible calls a tailbearer. Same thing. Okay, gossip tailbearer. A tailbearer is a person that literally goes around spreading stories. And this is interesting. When you listen to one, because they're always talking about somebody, right? Uh, They're bringing division. They're talking about somebody. And when they do, they they harm the character of that person. And so it's like wounds that goes down inside of you. Wounds. And what that means is it's real hard to unhear what you hear from a tailbearer. It's hard to unhear it. Because after you hear it, Every time you see the person they were talking to you about, you immediately think of what you heard. Anybody with me tonight? Y'all are sounding, looking so serious. I'm, this isn't going to last long. This is like a shot at the doctor. Let me get it over with. Okay? But I find this interesting because this is the opposite of a peacemaker. This is the troublemaker or the discourse over. The Hebrew word that we translate in a tailbearer means to roll or crush to pieces. Isn't that strong? Tailbearers from a Hebrew word, to roll or crush to pieces. 
So you picture this wheel rolling over something and crushing it. Uh, this person goes around stirring up scandal or controversy by telling tales about others that roll or crush that person's reputation to pieces. That's the power of words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, right? So this is what a tale bearer, a tale bearer's stock and trade is to magnify and sensationalize rumors and partial information, sowing seeds of doubt and mistrust about someone else. And the only problem is that someone else, they can't go fix what's been said. They can't go undo what's been said. You can't go running around putting out all those fires. So it, 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 leaves, it, it leaves damage in its wake. Every time somebody bears tales about another person uh, with the intent of hurting their character or hurting them somehow. Which brings me to the second, a second word, the, the opposite of the peacemaker, the whisperer. Everybody say whisperer. That's all five of you. Let's try it again. It's amazing. The, the Hebrew word sounds like a hiss. The whisperer. Look at Proverbs 16, 28. The whisperer separates the best of friends. Now listen carefully to me. Watch this. How do you know if you've been around a whisperer? Because generally they get you alone, or at least they get a, a small group together. Never in a big, massive group. They get a small group together of one person alone, and they whisper in the ear. It's the idea of, let me, let me tell you something. I, you know, I hate to share it, but I kind of need to. I'm really feeling led. That's the classic. I'm feeling led. Or this isn't gossip, but I just need you to pray. The whisperer is somebody who tells secrets and sows discord one person at a time. They are masters at getting you alone and whispering about someone else that they intend to separate you from. How do you know you've been with a whisperer? Because when you walk away from a whisperer, you feel that you have been, a wedge is now between you and who they talked about. They separate instead of bringing into unity. Are you with me? Little groups of people can become uh, whispering clubs. You can have a whispering group. You can have a whispering duo. You can have a whispering trio. But, but they whisper. And the whisperer is really, really good one-on-one, uh, -on -one, getting you to listen. But they don't stop with you. They're like bees that fly from flower to flower. They land, they take a little nectar, and they go to the next flower. And the next one, the next one. So the whisperer will move through, through a church or through a group of people very skillfully, one at a time. And when they're done, there's a wedge. There's division. There's separation. Amen, Pastor Jeff. Preach it. I'm really loving this. Amen. I probably shouldn't be telling you this, but don't tell so-and-so that I told you this. I'm not gossiping. I just thought you might want to pray for so-and-so because have you heard? 
I read this one story. There was this little old lady in a church, and um, she started spreading rumors about a younger, handsome guy in the sanctuary. She just started spreading rumors. Well, I think he he messes around, and I think he's staying all night at women's homes, and I, I just think he's up he's up to no good, and blah blah blah. And she whispered from flower to flower, from ear to ear. You know, I don't mean to say anything, but it just seems that, you know, Joe over there, he's he's pretty active during the week. Joe heard about it. So you know what Joe did? He drove his pickup to her house, parked it, and left all night. Left it out front all night. That's free. You may not even want to spread that little story, but it's true. You know. But the whisperer is a secret assassin. That's what they are. They, they leave ruined or tainted relationships everywhere they go and, and reputations. They divide. They separate best friends, people that were tight, that had fellowship together, knew each other Gone to church together, worship together. But here comes the whisperer, buzza, 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 buzza. And when they go, there's no longer best friends forever. They've divided and they cause trouble. Ah, King David knew all about the whisperer. Listen to what he wrote, Psalms 41.7. All who hate me whisper together against me. They imagine the worst for me. So there you go. If you, if the Bible says that the whisperer actually hates, there's something inside uh, a whisperer that is um, really needs to be healed, needs to be fixed. Something's not right that they would destroy reputations and, and, and divide, sort of divide and conquer. Okay. One last one, and I'm going to stop. We'll get to better things. Amen. The busybody. Everybody say busybody. Did you know that's a Bible? That's out of the Bible, the busybody? This is in the talebearer whisperer category. The busybody is somebody who digs up evil reports, and they make it their business to spread it. So you could say the gossip and the busybody work together. The busybody digs it up, and the whisperer spreads it. Whisperers whisper and busybodies dig. They, they mine out the, the gossip. Tell me, what's been going on in your life? Or what's been going on with so-and-so? Have you heard anything lately? Oh, yeah, I've heard some things. Let me tell you what I've heard. Before you know it, you got a busybody unloading information on a whisperer who starts going to all the flowers in the congregation and telling it. The Apostle Paul warned strongly against the sowers of division. He said, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for. Now, the, he, the, the Greek word here is to mark, and it's skopos. Skopos is the Greek word, and it, it's the idea you got a rifle with a scope, and the scope pulls you in tight on a target. Paul says, pull in tight, scope out, notice people who are causing division, mark them. 
and put off and, and, and keep away from them. Mark them because they're, they're, they're bringing division. And, and what people don't realize is when division gets into a church or a home or a business, it weakens it. It, it, makes, it, it makes it anemic. It troubles it. It opens the door for the enemy to get in and sow all kinds of things. So the enemy, he's not stupid. And he's done this for a very long time. He looks at a healthy congregation. He says, how can I destroy it? Well, one thing I can do is I can raise up some busybodies and whisperers and talebearers and turn them loose in that congregation. And if those people aren't wise to spot it and, and shut it down, because, you know, gossip dies when it hits a wise person's ears. Okay? Peter warns that suffering is going to eventually come to the gossip and the busybody. He says in 1 Peter 4.15, let none of you suffer as a busybody in other people's matters. And how the suffering comes, I don't know. But, but there it is. Trouble, um, pain comes eventually to sores of discord. Either the rebuke of God, the chastening of the Lord on you or me, uh, or, um, you know, you're, you're found out and the people confront you about the gossip, whatever, however it comes. Suffering finally comes, okay? This is why Peter said, if you want a happy, good life, how many want a happy, good life? Then be a peacemaker. Here's what he says. If you want a happy, good life, keep control of your tongue and guard your lips from telling lies. If you want, how many want a happy, good life? A happy, good life. Come on. Well, that's half of you. Golly, we need to have an altar call here. I want a happy, good life. I, I want a happy life. You live once and then you die. He says, if you want one, don't involve yourself in busybodying or tail-bearing or gossip, or spreading stuff, but be a peacemaker, because their God will command a blessing on you. And that's a few of the enemies of peace in a congregation or a business or a home. Uh, now, let's talk about the persecuted and we're done. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for there's the kingdom of heaven. But he didn't stop there. He goes on, blessed are you when they revile you. That's mock you to scorn. Treat you with contempt. Okay? When they revile and persecute you, and they say all kinds of evil things against you falsely. None of it's true. You know, I don't know if you've ever had to put up with somebody saying something terrible about you that was 100% false. But boy, does it want to make you put on Texas justice. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, your first impulse is to stand up and say, that is not true. But when it's a whisperer busy in, in the place, they've gone to so many ears, you can't put out all the fires. So here's what Jesus said. You're blessed. When they revile you, treat you with contempt, say wrong things, false things, terrible things about you. He says in verse 12, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven? 
For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, the key operative word is righteousness sake. You are being persecuted for taking a stand for Christ, not for being obnoxious, not for doing wrong, but you are taking an honest stand for Christ, and they nail you with persecution. He says, rejoice, be glad, be happy about it, and know this. They did the prophets that way, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all of them. And you've got a reward waiting for you in heaven. All right? Now, this is one of those paradoxes so common in Jesus' teaching. It doesn't make sense. How in the world can I be happy? Really happy to say, hallelujah, glory to God. I'm having the stuffings persecuted out of me. Glory to God, what a great day. Hallelujah. I'm so glad I woke up this morning. They're just letting me have it. Oh, glory. Big fat lies about me. Hallelujah. Come on. That's a paradox. You, you, you look at that and you go, what is Jesus saying? Paul said, in fact, let me guarantee you, everybody who wants to live godly in Christ Jesus is going to suffer persecution. It's a guarantee in this dark and fallen world, if you take a stand for Christ and your light shines and you're vocal about it and people know where you stand, you're going to be persecuted on one level or another. Later on in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, bless those that curse you. Do good to those that hate you. Bless those who or pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. They spitefully use you and persecute you. He said, pray for them. Another paradox. I don't want to pray for them. Pray for them. So the whole theme of persecution is found throughout the Lord's teaching over and over again. Let me tell you what persecution really is, okay? Definition. Diako is the Greek word. It means to aggressively chase like a hunter pursuing a catch to zealously persecute hunt down pursue with all haste chasing after earnestly desiring to overtake in other words they are coming after you this is not in the shadows this is not under the radar when Paul was Saul, this is exactly the way he treated the Christians. He hunted them down. He found them where they were from town to town, city to city, chained them, imprisoned them, and killed some of them. Same thing. So the real meaning of persecution is not pretty. You're, you're, in, you're under the heat. Jesus says, when it happens, Rejoice. Be exceedingly glad. NLT puts it this way, be happy about it. <laughs> Are you kidding me? For a great reward awaits you in heaven. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Um, amen. When the apostle, now I got to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I have to keep this real. I have been persecuted. I've never been assaulted physically. I've had people get right up in my face. 
big burly dudes right up in my face and where I felt like any second now he could hit me. I've been there, but he didn't. But I have been verbally persecuted and assaulted. I have. Called terrible things, you know, um, treated like dirt. It's happened. I mean, several times, many times in my Christian life. Um, and I got to tell you, my first impulse was not hallelujah, glory to God. That was, that, I was thinking, I think the joy should be hitting me right about now because Jesus said rejoice. No joy. Nope. I had to make the choice, remembering what Jesus taught, to rejoice. It was a choice. I had to look up and just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you that I've suffered now this way in your name. But it was not a feeling that washed over me. i got to be honest with you. It, I wish I could tell you it did, but it didn't. It's not easy to do that. It hurts. Am I talking to human beings tonight? It hurts. It stings. Um, wow. When I was in college, um, my bachelor's degree, I was in radio, TV, film. I had a film class. We were supposed to produce our own film, three-minute film, our own little three-minute film. And you were the, the um, talent. You had lighting people, audio people, sound people, stage people, uh, people that carried the, the camera cords around, uh, camera people, all of that. They were all members of your class. They were your, your, your uh, compadres. These were people that I'd been with for a whole semester. And it was Christmas time, and my time came for a film. So I thought, well, what better could I do than to do a, a little three-minute film as Christmas is, is arriving on the, the amazing miracles or the amazing prophecies that were fulfilled when Jesus was born. Surely these intellectual people will be amazed at how prophecies were fulfilled, and there's no, there's no explanation except it was God. So I was excited. I had my own little cue cards. Time came for me to, to go ahead and do my part. So it was lights, camera, action. I'm the talent. I'm looking at the camera. I'm reading the cue cards. Micah 5.2. And you, Bethlehem, though you are a little among the clans of Judah, out of you shall he come forth, whose goings have been from old, even from everlasting to everlasting. Do you realize that there Micah is predicting an eternal personality is going to be born in Bethlehem? Come on, all you intellectual heavyweights. That's got to. Now, I couldn't see anything because lights are beaming down in my eyes. But I heard rustling and movement. Didn't know what it was? Really a lot of movement off this way. So when I was done with my three-minute film, which I thought was just brilliant, lights came on, no one is there. My whole class walked. The camera people walked. The lighting people walked. The audio people walked. My teacher walked out into the hall. They were all in the hall, leaned up against the wall, in the hall. 
smoking cigarettes. And I, there was one girl who stayed who happened to be a believer. And she was upstairs in the sound booth. She came down and said, Jeff, I'm so sorry. Man, I don't know what to say, but while you were reading the verses, they just left. They walked out. Left me sitting there. So it stung. Because I had to walk past them all when I left. They're all leaned up against the wall. Wouldn't even look at me. All I did was read Bible verses. I didn't have on like a clown hat or anything. Just Bible verses. And I thought very effectively. These were my, and I was going to be another semester with them. So I got on the bus. I'm driving home. And I'm hurting. And the Lord said, why are you surprised? Didn't I tell you if they persecuted me, they will persecute you? Didn't I tell you that? Well, yeah, you did. But it didn't feel good. And he said, it didn't feel good for me either. So that was a, a very stark experience that I had. And I learned, if you take a stand for Christ, you're going to get persecuted. Okay? I'm going to close with this. When the apostles, and I'm, I'm fine, believe me, I don't know what became of any of them. I don't care what became it. I hope they got saved. Maybe they did. Uh, but, yeah, I went to another semester, and I smiled and shined them on. Yeah, come on. That's, when the apostle John, John was caught up into heaven and given uh, the book of Revelation, I'm closing with this. He saw an altar, and he saw underneath that altar an innumerable number of souls. And it says they had been slain for the word of God and their testimony. So they had experienced the extremity of persecution, martyrdom. And they were talking to the Lord under this altar, the souls. How long before you avenge what was done to us? And the Lord said to them, I'm, I'm paraphrasing the revised Wickwire paraphrase here, but here's, hang tough. Wait until the last of the ones that are going to be martyred for my name happens just a little while longer, and then I'm going to avenge you. So here's what it tells me. When you and I suffer, heaven knows all about it. When we pay a price for walking with Christ, heaven knows all about it. Let's stand together, can we? Next time, salt, light, and the law. Salt, light, and the law. But how many of you are glad the Lord sees what happens to you and me? And, and we've got a reward in heaven. Amen? Amen. The ones that have been martyred were given a garment of white. Oh, man, that beats Calvin Klein. That beats a boss suit. Come on, a, a garment of white as those that pay the price for persecution. Lord, thank you for being with us tonight. We praise you and bless you. We thank you, Lord, that you've called us, you've put your hand on us, you've laid your hand upon us. We are salt and we are light. Lord, even if we suffer heat, even persecution, 
mild or heavy. Thank you, Lord, that there's a reward in heaven and you see it. And thank you, Lord, for helping us to be peacemakers, to bring peace wherever we see trouble, to bring peace wherever we see division, to bring peace that we can be your children. Thank you for anointing us to make peace everywhere we go. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Can we just lift our hands and thank the Lord tonight? Thank you, Lord. 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 Just let his presence touch you before we go tonight. Let his presence touch you. Some of you have been through a really hard week. Let his presence touch you. Let his peace cover you. Thank you. Roll all the stress, all the trouble, all the warfare. Roll it onto him. Cast it onto him. For he cares for you. Lift your hands. Let's sing, I surrender all. Lord Jesus. Wanna do it one more time. Come on, everyone. I surrender. Give the Lord a hand of praise tonight. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus.